Morning, everyone. Um, as Rich said, I'm still uh, part of the church here, and it's a real privilege to be with you sharing this morning, particularly a privilege uh, to be sharing on Cora's Baptism Sunday. What a wonderful moment of celebration and joy together. And it was a moment of, uh, of learning of a story of Cora encountering Jesus and being changed and transformed by him. And my hope today is that we will see, as we kind of look at a text together, we're going to look at a story from the Bible of Jesus encountering some people and changing and transforming them. I don't know whether you've ever um, tried yourself to undergo a kind of a transformation, perhaps a change in your identity or kind of look kind of different, maybe a New Year's resolution or kind of you've moved to a new place, like it's a fresh start, a fresh me. Um, a number of years ago, uh, I tried uh, a change in my look. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, you can't actually tell how bad it is from this angle. I, no, no, really you can't. So we, we, I decided to do it about halfway through the haircut. So they'd already shaved the, the back of my head. So it, only, it stopped about here on my head. And they'd already shaved this half. So you can't quite tell. It's actually slightly off center. So it's like, it's just a little jut here. It was an unsuccessful attempt at transformation. An unsuccessful attempt to change my look. Fortunately, in the story we're going to read this morning, Jesus encounters people with a far more successful transformation. He brings about a radical transformation in their lives. That's not going to be that. In fact, let's go to the next slide. Let's move on quickly. I don't know whether you, have you seen this, the really famous, the, the, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse? Well, today we're not doing the boy, the fox, the mole, the fox, and the horse. Instead, we're doing the widow, the boy, and the crowd. Um, if you're disappointed with Martha Ratcliffe illustrations, uh, I am available for commissions. The widow, the boy, and the crowd. And each of these people experience Jesus. They encounter him and they're transformed by him. Let's read the text and move on from another dodgy slide. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 7, if you've got a Bible, starting at verse 11. Soon afterwards... Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd was with her. When the people saw her, he, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Do not cry. Then he went and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. And this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. So we're in a series in, in Luke, and we find this story of, of Jesus kind of walking along the road, and he encounters a funeral procession. And he, thank you. Uh, and he encounters three people, a widow filled with pain and anxiety about the future, and he transforms her by offering compassion and hope. He encounters a boy. It's a pretty radical transformation, more radical than a dodgy mohawk cart. This is from death to new life. Crazy. And finally, he, the, the crowd are transformed from observers to people of praise and proclamation. 
So we're going to go through each of these, these people in turn. Let's start then with the widow. So Jesus is walking along, and at the heart of this story is this widow, this woman who has encountered the pain and suffering of the world. Experienced deep grief. She's lost her husband, and now she's lost her only son. Deep pain and deep suffering, and yet also what perhaps isn't so obvious to us as kind of modern readers of the text is that she is experiencing a deep fear for the future, a deep anxiety. Why? Because in a, in a patriarchal society, men, men are the breadwinners. They're the ones that support the household. And so she's lost her income in her husband, and now she's lost her only son. She's also lost her pension. This is a, a cost-of-living crisis that isn't going away. This is deep financial insecurity. Grief and pain and suffering, yes, but also an anxiety of the future, a fear of the future. Cora shared in her story about the, about the way in which Jesus meets her in her anxiety. And we see Jesus do exactly the same in this story here. Jesus sees the woman. He sees her pain and suffering, but he also sees her fears and anxieties of the future. And he responds. The text says, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. Now, that, it feels a little bit like it's kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, thoughts and prayers with you on your loss. The heart in Jewish thought is, is the core of who you are. It's the kind of the deepest part of you. And when the text says his heart went out to her, this is a gut-wrenching emotion from Jesus. This isn't a kind of a pat on the shoulder. His heart going out to her is the deepest emotion as Jesus sees her anxiety, he sees her fears, and he is filled with compassion for her. Um, last year I was, uh, I was diagnosed with a, a chronic kidney disease. And as I was going for a, um, a couple of days before an operation uh, around kind of diagnosis and treatment, uh, a Muslim colleague and friend of mine said to me, she said, I'm, I'm, I will pray for you, Theo. And she said, and we just hope, we have to just hope that Allah listens and hears us. And with all respect to those of, of Muslim faith, the God we see revealed in Jesus Christ is not one that we just have to hope might listen to our prayers. He is a God filled with deep compassion. His heart goes out to us. I wonder, do you feel like the widow this morning? Perhaps as you look to your future, you, you see a future filled with anxiety. As you look to your past, you see pain and suffering in the present. Maybe, it's, maybe it is financial insecurity. Maybe it's the worry of the energy bills rising. Where's the next kind of, where am I paying these bills from? Have I got enough? Maybe it's kind of longer term. Will I, what kind of future will I have? Will I pass my exams and will I be able to get the job that I want to get? Will, uh, uh, what kind of world will I grow up in? What kind of world will my children grow up in? What kind of world will the climate emergency lead to? Will I even have a family that would be affected by it? Will I find someone? Or will I grow old alone like the widow in this story? Will I, will I lose the ones I lo love? Will I be the one to experience a death before my time? His feelings of anxiety and fear, Dane Ortland writes about them like this. He says, our tendency is to feel intuitively that the more difficult life gets, the more alone we are. As we sink further into pain, we sink further into felt isolation. The Bible corrects us. This story corrects us. Our pain never outstrips what he himself shares in. We are never alone. That sorrow that feels so isolating, so unique, was endured by him in the past and is now shouldered by him on the present. See, if you feel like the widow this morning, 
If you feel the pain and suffering of the past and present, if you feel the fears and anxieties of the future, know this. Jesus sees you. He sees you. His heart goes out to you. He is filled with compassion for you. Hear his words of comfort. He is with you. And as we learn on the cross, he takes the pain and suffering of the world, the fears and anxieties of the future, upon himself. He experiences what we experience. He has a solidarity with us. His his comfort is not a distant one. It is one, uh, he is acquainted with sufferings like us. He is acquainted with fears like us. He feels it. He is with you. The widow and the son. Let's just read it again. The son, uh, then he, that's Jesus, went up and touched the briar they were carrying him on. The bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the, young, the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus doesn't just offer a kind of compassion. He also, in this story, he offers an extraordinary power. He touches the young man, and he is raised from the dead. Death to life, that is the most radical transformation. Jesus is filled with compassion, but also with extraordinary power to change the situations that we find ourselves in. Now, maybe you're just kind of, as soon as I say that, you're like, he hasn't stepped in for me, Theo. And I hear you on that and this story is is one of of transformation and change really kind of radical and and yet it doesn't always feel like that does it and let me just be clear it wasn't always like that for Jesus a few chapters later um, we we uh, read of of John Jesus's cousin an untimely death and Jesus mourns and grieves his cousin's death and yet John isn't raised to life again Jesus too experiences grief and loss he experiences rejection the Christian story is one of extraordinary power, but it's, it, it feels like, it doesn't one that always feels like we hear it in the now. And Cora shared that in her story so powerfully. Yes, Jesus is with her in those moments of anxiety and fear, and yes, she can feel him stepping in, and yet there are still unanswered questions, and that's the reality of our lived experience here as people of faith. Jesus in the story shows compassion, and that this also, we see this extraordinary power. I don't know whether you've, um, like me, when you kind of sit down to watch a film and you're not sure what to watch and you kind of flick through a few trailers. Have you ever watched those trailers where you you realize that you've actually just watched the entire film? (laughs) Like it's a comedy and actually all the best lines were in the trailer. You didn't need to bother with the rest of it. Or it kind of gives the final scene away. This story is a little bit like a trailer that gives the final scene away. The story of the boy being raised from death to life is a trailer that gives away the final scene of Jesus' life. A story of death and resurrection. And not just that, it's a story that gives a a glimpse to the final story of the whole world. Where pain, suffering and death are done away with. And new life and resurrection life is all there is. It's a story of death and resurrection. It's a story that's at the heart of the Christian faith. Why? Because it's the story of Jesus, one who on his death undergoes pain and suffering and yet is raised three days later. And Rich alluded to this earlier on, this pattern of death and resurrection is part of what baptism is about. As Cora went under the water, she said, I'm dying to my old life and I'm going to rise again to new life. The heart of the Christian faith, it's death and resurrection and the call is therefore each of us 
to undergo death and resurrection. Why? Because each of us carry with us bits of us that we need to die to, bits that we need to let go of. Some of these are things in our past or our present that we, if we're honest, that we regret. There are mistakes, our failures, our, our kind of our shortcomings, what the Bible calls sin. Francis Spufford, talking about this, he says this, what we're talking about here is not just our tendency to lurch and stumble and screw up by accident, our passive roles as agents of entropy. It's our active inclination to break stuff. Stuff here including moods, promises, relationships we care about, our own well-being and other people. This tendency we have as humans, if we're honest, to, to hurt ourselves and to hurt other people, to experience the brokenness of what the Bible calls sin. But we're also offered the chance to die, to leave behind those things, in the, those bits of brokenness in our life that have been done to us. The things that other people have said or done to us that have left scars in us. Those places of our life where, if we're honest, we know deep down we need healing, we need resurrection. We need resurrection. Um, I'm an in, in, incredibly clumsy person. Uh, and um, we have a, a number of kind of uh, house plants in our house, and there's one on the kitchen shelf. And as I reached up for something, knocked it over, plant fully out of the pot, kind of strewn over over it. I was like, "There's no way." I'm like, "Beth, I'm really sorry. Your favourite plant, it's a goner. Just, uh, just sack it off." And yet, we kind of patched it up back together. It still wobbles a little bit uh, and leans over to the side. It's not quite as green as it was, but it sits there back on the shelf, restored. And my guess is if you're anything like me, there's bits of your life that feel like the pot plant on the floor, that feel like actually they're just beyond. There's not kind of some clever kind of putting it back in and patting it down. There's bits of my life, and I know that, that, that there'll be bits of your lives that feel too far gone, that feel perhaps too broken. And yet the story we have here is a story of resurrection. There are no bits of your life that are too broken for God to resurrect. As Christ rises to life, he declares that love conquers death. Light triumphs over darkness, that there are parts of you beyond his resurrection power. And in baptism, we say we want to be part of that same story. We too want to die to our old ways of failure and sin. That we need resurrection healing and we need resurrection power in our lives from the brokenness and scars that sit within us. As a writer, Rachel Heavens puts it, it's just death and resurrection over and over again, day after day, as God reaches down into our deepest graves and with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, rests us from our pride, our apathy, our fear, our prejudice, our anger, our hurt, and our despair. Cora, you are like the young man in this story. You have undergone death and resurrection. And my encouragement and challenge to each of us is where do we need to know the resurrection power of Christ in our life? Where do we need to know this transformation from death to life? The widow, the son, and then finally the crowd. Let's read it. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. And this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. This third group are really helpful for us because they remind us, in case we haven't quite realized, that what happened in the story isn't normal. 
See, sometimes we can kind of read these stories in the Bible and think, oh, well, you know, that was a, a kind of an old story and kind of, you know, maybe they lived in a more of a superstitious age. We know better than to believe in such things as death and resurrection, let's be honest. Well, this word that's translated in the text as awe, they're filled with awe, kind of reinforces that. It's like, oh, wow, crikey. Resurrection, that's, that's pretty, pretty good, isn't it? Right, very good. Well, well done. Well done, well done Jesus. The, the word awe is the, is the Greek word phobos, where we get the word phobia. It's fear. They're not kind of pleasantly surprised that this boy has raised back to life. They're freaked out. Like, what the heck? Death to life? They are filled with, with awe. Dead people don't rise from the dead. They don't often, in my experience, in 21st century Leeds, and they didn't in 1st century Palestine. This is a blimey. Death to life, resurrection moment. And when they witness this incredible event, they're blown away. They're blown away. But I wonder if you were in the crowd, or if you were in the crowd this morning, I wonder how you would have responded. Maybe you'd have been, maybe you would have been, and maybe this morning as you kind of, you kind of witnessed this going on this morning, you've seen Cora and heard her story, maybe there's a part of you that's skeptical of the whole thing. Maybe you're just kind of, Skeptical of these stories of death and resurrection, skeptical that God, this God could be with us and help us in those moments of fear and pain and anxiety. If you're a friend of Cora's, and that's kind of you if you're honest today, my encouragement to you is ask her, chat to her. She'd want to know, she'd want you to, to kind of talk to you about it. Or if you kind of, perhaps you're like, I don't know, Cora, it might be a bit odd if I just kind of go up to her. Alpha, that Rich talked about, that is a great opportunity. It's a series of places where you can explore your skepticism. Like, say, I'm not sure about all this resurrection stuff. Sounds a bit odd to me. Explore the claims of Christianity. If you're skeptical this morning, Alpha is the place for you to be. Or perhaps you read this story and you, you hear them filled with awe and you're like, I used to feel like that about God, but I've forgotten what it feels like to feel the awe of resurrection power. That line in Amazing Grace struck me. Um, how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. But for lots of us in the room, we kind of maybe been Christian for a long time, and that feeling of awe, it's just kind of, it feels distant. That feeling of being blown away by Jesus, it feels old and kind of something that used to happen. Well, baptisms are so helpful because they remind us of the story of transformation, and we see it in someone's life again. And my encouragement to you is to ask God again, God, would you fill me with the awe that I once experienced? Would you remind me how precious that grace appeared the hour I first believed? Or finally, you might be like the group. You might be like, yeah, this is awesome. Who can I share it with? The news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the, and the surrounding country. And you're like, Theo, can we just stop this preach so that I can get home and share this story about transformation with someone? If that's you, amazing. Who is it that you're going to share it with? I'm be finished soon. Don't worry. They're filled with awe and praise and they, they, they witness the story of death and resurrection and they go out and proclaim it to, the, to their neighbors and to those around them. And we're going to get an opportunity to join with their praise in a bit. The crowd, the widow, the son and the crowd. Who is it you feel most like in the story? Maybe you're like the widow experiencing just the pain and brokenness of your past, the fear and anxiety of the future. Do you need to know the Jesus who can bring deep compassion and hope that this isn't all there will be? Maybe you're like the boy and you just need to know, maybe for the first time, maybe for the millionth time like me, you need to know the power of resurrection in your life. 
Or finally, you're like one of the crowd. Maybe you're skeptical. Maybe the awe feels really distant. Or maybe you're just buzzing and you want to share it. Wherever you are in this story, Jesus wants to meet with you. Jesus wants to meet with you and transform you. Not just a dodgy haircut, but death to life. Resurrection power. Can I invite the band up and we're going to pray for us as we... Um, as we sing together, as we join with them in praise. Let's stand together. Jesus, I thank you that you encounter us. Thank you that you have encountered Cora, that you have brought about a change and a transformation in her. And for those of us this morning, Lord, where we feel like the widow, where the pain and suffering of the past, the fears and anxiety of the future, they just feel overwhelming. God, would you, would you meet us? Jesus, would you come and would we know your compassion and love in the deepest part of us? Lord, for those of us who are like the Son and we need resurrection power in every part of us, God, would you bring it about? Would you change and transform us by the power that raised Jesus from the dead? And Lord, for those of us who are kind of, uh, kind of forgotten our awe, would you remind us again how wonderful and how transforming your resurrection power is? Amen. Let's sing.